You're listening to a sermon from crckulaman.org. So it's Genesis 12, 10 to 20. Yes. At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarai, look, You are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him so we can have her. So please tell them you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And sure enough, when Abraham arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarai's beauty. When the palace officials saw her, They sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king, and Sarai was taken into the palace. Then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her, sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. What have you done to me? He demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and get out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them and he sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and all his possessions. Okay, well, last time I was here, uh, we were struggling to get enough air moving around to keep us cool. A bit different today, but actually the heaters are working much better than the air conditioning was that day, so so that's good. And uh, hey, I hadn't heard that first song. I hadn't heard that before, but I loved it. So uh, I have to try and remember it to, to find it when I get home. Anyway, um, if you don't mind, I'd just like to, to start with, uh, with committing the word to the Lord in prayer. So, so we just thank you for this uh, opportunity to be here. Lord, I just thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for each person who's here. I pray that you would open our hearts to hear, to receive what you want to say to us. Lord, I pray especially that you would speak through me. Uh, Lord, that you would speak words to each person that that uh, you want each, each of us to hear that would be an encouragement, that would build us up, that uh, we will be able to, would build up our faith that we'll be able to take and we'll be able to uh, run with this week. Something that, that you want to say to us, Lord, I, I just pray this, Lord, speak through me. Uh, let these be your words we s- hear this afternoon, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, one of the challenges for the modern preacher is live streaming because not so long ago if you were preaching somewhere you could go through your messages and you say well I haven't preached this message here in this place before that's fine but with live streaming and the internet and all that I don't know who may have logged on and uh, listen because this, I shared this message in Naranja only two weeks ago uh, so uh, I don't know whether um, anyone was has, uh, was listening to it, and which is, uh, actually, I don't think you were live streaming it though, were you, Don? 
you, you heard it. Oh, I heard it later. I was trying to think. No, you weren't there that week. But uh, the other challenge with that is uh, if you were live streaming it and then you hear it live, you think, he preached that better in Naranja. What? How come Naranja gets his best? Why don't so? Okay, that's a challenge for me today. But I just want to talk about uh, what we see here, Abraham, an account of Abraham's life is very early in his faith journey. And I do love the book of Genesis. Uh, if I said to you, you know, where, is the, where does the uh, story of redemption begin? I'm not sure what you would say, but it actually starts in Genesis. And there's a big part of Genesis is about the story, the, the redemption, God's plan, beginning to outwork his plan and then continuing to outwork his plan of redemption. And I love uh, Abraham's life. You know, Abraham's not just an analogy or a parable, but he's a very real person. And his life, and an account of his life, is about a person uh, you know, learning to trust God, a journey of faith. And that's what makes it so real, uh, real for us. And if we read through Genesis, the, the story of Abraham, not just Abraham, I know, but the story of Abraham, we see that you know, Abraham does quite a few things over the journey that... Uh, well, he makes some choices that we would question. And, yeah, and he's, he's not the only one. And sometimes I uh, hear people uh, that want to preach about Abraham or others and they want to maybe get a little bit insulting with the choices they make. But I don't, I don't want to insult Abraham or, or any other people of faith because really this is it's about... Uh, a journey of faith we see in Abraham. And you know that we have things that Abraham didn't. I, you know, we could say the same about David and Moses and all these mighty men of faith who made big mistakes sometimes. But do you know that even though God may not have spoken to us the same way he, we, uh, that he did to Abraham or, or to Moses and that, but we have something more than they do. We have the Holy Spirit with us every day, all the time. And so it's really not for us to criticise them when we're still making mistakes and we have the whole, something more than them. We have something more even than the disciples did before the day of Pentecost. They might have had Jesus with them every day, but we have the Holy Spirit living within us. And so when I look at Abraham's life and I, and I see some of the things there that we can learn from, some of the negatives as well as the positives, it's, it's very much about a journey of faith. God over the course of time, you know, uh, he expands on the promise to Abraham. And actually, I'll, if, if we look at, we didn't read the beginning of Genesis chapter 12, but this, the story of Abraham really begins, Genesis 12, as a, it says the Lord had said to Abraham, or Abram, uh, in, in, the, in here he's still called Abram and his wife's still called Sarai, but they later on become Abraham and Sarah, so if you hear me say Abram or Abraham and Sarah or Sarai, just, it's the same person. I'm not getting confused. Well, I might be getting confused, but it's the same person anyway. Uh, but said to, said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham had a word from God. He had a commandment from God. He had a call from God. 
and Abraham had a, he did have a mighty call, a magnificent call of God. But everywhere there's a call of God, there's a command and there's a promise. Abraham had a call, he had a promise, he had a command. And the same goes with us. We have a calling of God on our lives. We have an individual calling, but we have a calling collectively. But everywhere there's the calling of God, there's the command and there is the promise. And even if we just think about the most basic calling of God, if you think about John 3.16, and it says um, that as many... Uh, John says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So there's the call to come to God uh, through Jesus. There's the promise of eternal life, but there's that command which is to believe in him. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who hears my voice and opens the door will come in and I will eat with him, I will be with him. So there's the, command, there's the, the, the promise of Jesus' presence with us, but there's that command that if we want to receive that, you know, we have to open the door to him. And so Abraham has a, has a call of God, he has a promise from God, and with it there's a command. And I'll just come back to that in a moment, but later on there in Genesis 12, in the part uh, that Robin read for us, Abraham makes what seems to us the strange decision to allow Sarah to be taken as a potential wife for Pharaoh. And I was looking at this and I did some research trying to find out whether there was something cultural about this and I couldn't really find anything more than it was, seems a very strange decision uh, for him to do that. But certainly Abraham's decision was one really of sin because it was based on fear. He was fearful. He was fearful that he would be killed, that Sarah would be taken to, um, you know, to, to be a wife of an Egyptian, but that he, that he would be killed. So his decision is based on fear, and fear, the Bible tells us, is sin because it's, the, it's a lack of faith. It's faith in the wrong thing. It's not, it's not faith in God, but faith in something else. Uh, fear is sin. And Abraham sinned in, in uh, doing that. It seems that it took a while, quite a while really, for Abraham to really understand that the promise of God, that all these descendants he was going to give to Abraham was going to come through Sarah. So we, we do see Abraham taking a while to, to figure that out. But here he acts from a position of fear. But the problem here with Abraham, what... Uh, where he comes to this point where he makes a sinful decision, if you like, because it's a fearful one. He does the wrong thing. He makes a bad decision. It actually started before that. It started back in verse 10 where Abraham went away from what God had told him. It said there was a famine in the land and Abraham went down to Egypt to dwell there. Abraham had been given the promise of God, he'd been given the call of God, he'd been given the command. The promise of God was that this land, the land of Canaan, the land we now know as Israel, and it's actually beyond what the current country of Israel is. But God would give him that, but he was to go and to live there. And yet this famine comes, and Abraham moves away from there. He goes down to Egypt, completely different country, goes to where God uh, had not told him to go. 
he went away from the command and the promise of God, from what he had been given, from what he had been told. And so then the sin and the wrong choices which come after that come because of that first choice, going away from what God had said. And that's uh, the crux of my message today is that that the sin, so often when we get into bad positions, the sin or wrong choices, we get ourselves just in a mess. It's because we went away from that first thing, that first choice we made was going away from what God had said to us, what God had told us. And we see in Abraham's life, there is a change of circumstances with the famine. And sometimes, you know, we do have a change of circumstances which impacts our lives. It changes what the outworking of the promise looks like compared to what is, uh, to what we thought it might. Now, for me, in recent years, we moved to Naranja 14 and a half years ago, almost. And uh, for more than 10 years, it was pretty much a similar thing. I was driving the school bus and uh, dedicating the time as I could to, to serving in the church. Then four years ago last month, things changed. I had to stop driving the bus for medical reasons. And so there was a slight change there. But then uh, three and a half years ago, there was what was a bigger change where everything I was involved in ministry-wise got shut down. You know, the government shut it down and church agreed with it and nobody asked me what my opinion was. But uh, regardless of that, uh, things got shut down, so things changed for me. And so we do find that circumstances change. And the idea we had that this is how God's going to work, this is how God's going to use me, sometimes it does vary from that. And I say that partly because I find um, that regularly I'm asking myself, you know, are the things I'm doing now, at the moment now I'm working five days a week at the high school, which doesn't leave much time for, for ministry anyway. So I'm questioning myself all the time, you know, making, looking at my heart, because you know, am I doing this because it's been, God has brought this change, or am I doing this because I've allowed my heart to change because of things that happened? And so weighing that up all the time. So we have to weigh that up. Sometimes there is a change of circumstances, but a change of it doesn't have to change what we do. You know, God leads us down a different path for a time. An example, the Israelites did go to Egypt eventually when God, God actually led them to Egypt when Joseph was there. And that was in God's timing. Now, David is anointed king and then he spends the next several years being chased around the country by Saul. I'm sure that's not what he had in mind when he was anointed king. So sometimes God leads us down a different path for a time, but with Abraham, he actually goes away from what God has told him. So God, over time, um, refines the promise to Abraham. He expands on it. Abraham is able to more clearly understand and see what is required. And God does the same for us. But it's not just unique to Abraham what's happening here. So so many times we see in the Bible people getting into trouble because they walked away from the promise and the command of God. Uh, Several times we see that where uh, the, the problem came about not because of the choice at that time but because of earlier choices. Just a couple of quick examples quickly. We see David in 2 Samuel 
chapter 11. I'll just read a couple of verses here. And 2 Samuel chapter 11, it says, It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. And the story goes on, it's uh, Bathsheba, and we see that David uh, uh, ends up sinning and commits adultery with Bathsheba, and then he's got to get her husband killed. And really, David's problems start here. Up till then, he's, as king, everything's gone pretty well, but his problems start here with this, this sin with Bathsheba. But the sin actually starts, or the, or the problem for David starts, not when he sees Bathsheba bathing, not when he decides to come and take call it, not when he commits adultery with her, but it starts there, verse 1, it happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel, it says, but David remained at Jerusalem, David was raised up, David was called to be a warrior king, he was called to be the king who would uh, fight for Israel, and deliver Israel, and expand the kingdom of Israel, he was called to be a warrior, and yet he chooses not to go out to battle here. And because of that first choice, he's then in a position, you know, maybe that wasn't the sin himself, itself, but he's now in a position where he becomes distracted, where he looks at something, he sees something he shouldn't have and then makes that choice. And it's very interesting, uh, it's another interesting verse, a couple of verses in, in 2 Samuel 21, uh, verses 15 to 17. It says, When the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines, and David grew faint. Then Ishbi Benob, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, you shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. And I find that really interesting. We're not actually given the chronology there. So I wonder whether this event happened before the sin, the sin with Bathsheba, whether the reason David was staying in Jerusalem was because his men had said, you're not coming out with us to battle anymore. But whatever, it's, it was against the calling of God. It's against what God had called David to do. David was called to go and lead his men in battle and he didn't do it, which left him in a situation where he made other decisions which were, uh, which were wrong, which were uh, far more serious. Uh, Solomon married foreign wives, uh, many of them. Now, politically, this was a brilliant move because it says that he made, you know, through the marriages that he made treaties with the, the nations all around and he had peace and he had prosperity through those treaties. But his wives led him astray. They led him into idolatry. And the problem started when he married those foreign wives. It says they're back in, in, in the law not to marry the foreign wives. And Solomon did that. On the one hand, it looked like a brilliant move, but it leads him into sin. 
And there's a, a few others we could go through in the Old Testament. The New Testament, the main problem we see with people going astray and then getting into trouble is where they leave behind grace and then they move into law. You see that with the Galatians. They forgot about grace and then they moved to law and then all the other problems became a problem. Abraham was motivated to move to Egypt because of the famine. As I mentioned, God uses circumstances sometimes to get people where he wants them. And I can understand Abraham's motivation uh, with moving. We moved to Naranja at the start of 2009. Uh, 2009 was not quite at the end of of a 10-year drought. This is not because of climate change. We had a 10-year drought 100 years earlier. So we'd been in a drought 10 years, but for us, we we were on the farm uh, at Mayrung, really it has been going on since 1994. 1994 was a drought year. 1995 wasn't considered a drought, but every time clouds would come across, it would rain on Deniliquin, it would miss us. 1996, every time the clouds come across, it would rain in Finlay, it would miss us. Then 1997 was another drought, and then a couple of years later we started what was called the 10-year drought. So I was well and truly sick of drought uh, by then. So I can understand Abraham's uh, motivation. But also in that, and it wasn't the only reason we moved, but because of all that, it was part of what God was using to change my heart. It, It was part of it. It wasn't the only thing. But God changed my heart, changed my goals and desires so that I was ready to move to Naranja, um, and certainly I believe it was God's time and God using that. Uh, so God can use circumstances, but for, and then they can play a role in causing us uh, to move. Uh, they can play a role. God can use them. But for Abraham, we see the other thing. Circumstances can play a role in causing us to lose sight of and wander away temporarily from what God's promise and what his word is. And that's what we see Abraham doing. So we need to stick to God's plan. We, need, you know, we can be flexible in allowing God to control that. But don't go away from what God says when things get difficult. We need to hang on to God's plan. And that could be a word that's been spoken to us or it can be uh, individually or it can be a word, the, the general word of God. And I've got here just a bit of a, a list of some examples of something that we let go of or compromise that leads us into sin or away from sin and the promise of God in our lives. Now, it doesn't have to be a big movement or it doesn't have to be a big sin that can, we can move away from the promise and the call of God. What we see with Abraham is often it's just that little thing, really, that then leads to something bigger. We saw that with David, the little thing. He moved, one little thing in moving away and not a, fully obeying what God had given him led to something bigger and stronger. And that's what, um, some things which we can just, just move away from that then leads into, into the bigger problems, leads us into sin, leads us into moving further away from God. So, for example, when we move away from the Word of God, we move away from reading it, we move away from believing it uncompromisingly, and that's something we've got to watch in today's age. You know, there are more and more people uh, watering down the Word, uh, uh, making excuses for parts of the Word. 
but if we, we have to believe in uncompromising, uncompromisingly, when we move away from that and when we move away from reading it, you know, we open ourselves up to falling away in other areas. Uh, prayer, our relationship with God, when we move away from that, we allow other things to come into our lives or we allow ourselves even just to stop doing what it is God has called us to. You know, what's the personal word, a personal direction, a personal promise that God has for us? Sometimes we can just even just letting go of that. We think it's taking too long, it's not working, so I just give up on that. And we uh, lose something of what God has for us, the best that God has for us. You know, our core values, our core values as a church. And it's so important that churches hang on to those core values. Uh, accountability. You know, often we're happy to be accountable when we like what we're being told from those in authority over us. But when things get, a, when the word gets a bit hard, when things get a bit difficult, we can move away from accountability. And you know, we can move away from, from fellowship, uh, from relationship with, with uh, God's people. You know, how we handle offence, how we handle disappointment is so important. Because unfortunately, other, you know, we're not the only fallen people. There are other people who make mistakes as well. And sometimes they make mistakes which affect us. So how do we handle that? When we move away from accountability, we move away from, uh, from loving people. And that, that's often the first thing. You know, I can think of examples in my life where I didn't handle disappointment that well, where when somebody let me down, I didn't handle it that well, and it affected things. That I don't think it's affected the big overall picture, but it's affected relationships. There are some relationships which I don't have anymore because of the way I, I dealt with that initial disappointment. So the way we handle this, uh, the way we handle offence and the way we handle disappointment is important. Uh, we can become sidetracked onto something less important or to something that uh, seems you know, more sparkly, if you want to put it that way, more interesting. And so easy to become sidetracked these days by something that fits easily into your hand and has lots of little shiny lights and doesn't, you know, you just got to press the little icons and uh, suddenly there can be an hour, two hours gone by and, whoa, it's so easy to become sidetracked, isn't it? Uh, we can compromise on grace uh, to judgment, just like the, I mentioned the Galatians did. That's one thing, if we, when we move away from grace into judgment, then it becomes into something more serious. Uh, when we move away from truth and integrity, and again we see this in the, in the world where there's a, there are high-profile churches and there are high-profile leaders, and then the world around us takes notice of it when those people fall. But often the start of that was when they moved away in some way, moved away from truth and integrity. It's what led uh, to that, that bigger fall. Uh, you don't have to be high profile to allow a compromise on truth and integrity to, to trip us up. Uh, we can allow license. Well, the start, when we move away from holiness, then we move into license. What I mean by license is then well, it's okay, anything goes pretty much. We allow people to get away with whatever they want to or we make excuses for ourselves to get away with what we want to. 
Uh, maybe it starts with being judgmental, and sometimes we see, especially uh, with, with people, especially with movements, though, that uh, they've been judgmental, but then they overcompensate by moving into license, by allowing anything to go. That's uh, certainly another uh, big thing in our culture these days. Uh, our thoughts, what we do with our thoughts is so important, and a great example of that is adultery, especially for, for men, for young men, it's just, or not just young men, but for men of all ages. It's that thought you're allowed to stay in your mind, that picture you allow yourself to look at. That's the starting point. It's not the, the big sin at the end, but that's where it starts when we compromise on that. But we could go on to other thoughts when we allow our thoughts to wander or to, to stay on something it shouldn't. Uh, the words we speak, speaking negatively when we should be speaking a blessing. Relationships. Uh, the Bible talks about not to be unequally yoked, so when we compromise in our relationships, that's often the start of something bigger. Or, even in our, or in our own mind, we can think other people are doing it. Other people are saying it's okay. And so these are often the little things, that place that we start that leads into something bigger and we need to, to guard against. Abraham moved because of the famine. The famine is a trying time. And it was a trying time for Abraham, no doubt. But the thing is, God is able to provide in the famine. You know, God had promised Abraham the land. God had commanded him to live there. So God is able to provide. And God works in these times. Not just for repentance and for reliance on God. Because you know, when times are hard, that's when we rely on God. And times are hard, that's sometimes what brings people back to God. But God is able to work in these times, not just for those. We in our lives experience dry times. And we might have uh, different names for them. We might, all, might call them a, a desert experience. Yeah. We might call it a valley. Uh, Psalm 23 verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So even though we might be going through a valley, God is still with us. God still leads us. Or as I saw something yesterday that says, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know that I can't fully trust Google Maps. <laughs> but God is with us. He will lead, um, and sometimes actually leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. Or we might use the term wilderness to describe uh, this time. But what's really interesting is God uses the wilderness. So if we find ourselves in a difficult position, which we might call ourselves, and we might call it a famine or a dry time or a valley or a wilderness, but God is still able to use that. It's not the time to compromise, not the time to go away. And uh, one of the things from our state conference back uh, around about, back in April, wasn't it? Uh, Ian Miller talked to, in in one of his messages. Just talked, just he just mentioned these things briefly about the wilderness. And I've got to mention that just in case Ian is, um, you know, googling Coolum uh, and sees that Ashley's preaching and thinks, oh well, I might listen to him. So, Ian, if you're listening, I did borrow this from you. But. Just uh, three things quickly that God uses the wilderness for is that God uses the wilderness to get Egypt out of us. The Israelites were led by God out of Egypt into the wilderness. 
Now, they spent more than a year in the wilderness because, you know, we read, can read there in Exodus that they spent, um, in, the, in the law there, that they, the second Passover, they were still at Mount Sinai. They were over a year there. God didn't, never intended to lead them straight from Egypt to, is, uh, to, to Israel, the land of Canaan. But then when they get there, they've actually got to spend another 40 years in the wilderness because they didn't believe. They hadn't got Egypt out of the system. And so God used the wilderness to get Egypt out. So the world. So God uses these times to get the world out of us. Uh, in the wilderness, our identity is, is affirmed. Our identity is declared. Jesus is, after his baptism, Jesus is led immediately into the wilderness. He's tempted by the devil. Now, Jesus doesn't become the son of God in the wilderness, but he comes out of the wilderness you know, and is declared to be the son of God. It's, it's obvious. He's affirmed. He's, his calling is affirmed. When in, in 1914 and 1915, when the young Australians went off to, to war and Australia was just an outpost of the, the British Empire and weren't considered highly by anybody, including including the British, but then they landed at Gallipoli and then after uh, Gallipoli, you know, they went to, to fought in France and they fought through the Middle East, the light horsemen fought through the Middle East. Everybody knew about Australia. Those uh, soldiers, they weren't made at Gallipoli, they weren't made in the trenches there in, at, in France, or they weren't made in the light horse, but they were shown to be who they were. It showed, you know, their character w w was developed before that and it was shown. And so just because we're going through a hard time doesn't mean that we should move. It's, it's often there that our character is shown, it's declared, it's affirmed. It's who we are as uh, children of God. And sometimes the wilderness is for our protection. Uh, Revelation 12 verse 6, it says that the woman uh, flees into the wilderness. And the woman, of course, is the church and she's protected there in the wilderness. So challenging times can be God doing something for us or in us. And we miss that if we wander from the word of God to us. And that's my um, message to you this afternoon. So if we have let go of, or if we have wandered away from what God has called us to, from what he has promised you for you, Uh, the first thing is there is forgiveness. It's not about condemnation. There is forgiveness. And there is restoration. Because notice how quickly God acted to bring Abraham back into the land. God didn't let Abraham stay there in that wrong place. He acted to bring Abraham back. So there's forgiveness. There's restoration. If there's something today that we are aware of, we've let go of, we compromised on, that could lead us in, into a worse place but so we need to be listening for God to do that quickly and we need to go back uh, to what it is that you left pick up where you left off in Genesis so we read there in Genesis 12 where God uh, deals with Pharaoh uh, 12 verse 20 Pharaoh commanded his men they sent him away and then in, in Genesis 13 verse 1 says, then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him to the south. That's to the south of the land of Canaan. He went back to the place where God, the land that God had called him to walk in and to live in and God provided for him there. 
So we need to go back to what it is that we left. Uh, one of the th things with, if you look at professional sports people, you know, the, and high profile sports people, they lose, you know, the, for a time they might be out of form. Especially those who, who play ball sports, you know, they're not hitting the ball, they can't, uh, they're not able to do what, not, they're not able to do successfully what they're normally able to do. And then they find their form and, and, and somebody asks them about, well, what happened? And they say, oh, quite often you hear them say, well, I just stopped doing the basics. And when they started doing the basics again, they found their form. And so the same with us. We've got to do those things we know that God calls us to. And don't deviate from the plan, from the promise, from the command of God. And the last thing which I, I felt when I was preparing this uh, also is, and we see this from another incident which uh, I didn't mention in Abraham's life, which for, just for time's sake, but he does the same thing again later on. And, with a, and, and this time it's with Abimelech, but God says to Abraham to pray for him. And so if we've made decisions which have then have led us into a different place, you know, pray for those affected, pray for those we've met, pray for those we've come across in that time. Pray for those impacted and affected uh, in our wandering. Because uh, God can still use that time. When God says, when it says that God is able to do all, um, sorry, God is able to make all things work together for good. doesn't mean everything we do is good, but God is able to do that. And so we can even pray for those people we've come across in that situation and somehow God will move in that. So I just want to encourage us this morning, don't lose sight of what it is that God's called us to. You know, the, those basics, the basic commands. Uh, we need to hang on to those because it's often, it's that first going astray, it's that first thing we let go of that leads us into bigger problems, that leads us into bigger trouble. So to avoid the bigger problems, hang on to what God's called us, whether it's what he's called us to individually, what he's called us to as a church, or what he's called each, everybody to us in his commands uh, in the word. So Lord, I just want to thank you today. I want to thank you for your, your grace and your favour. Lord, um, you favoured Abraham in calling him. You favoured him by forgiving him and setting him back on the right track. Lord, you favoured us by calling us, by forgiving us, by bringing us into your family, Lord, and you continue to favour us. Lord, we live in a world where and in a time where there are so many things that can lead us astray, so many things that can cause us to doubt. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, help us to remain strong, help us to remain faithful to you and to what you have called us to, what you have called us to as, as sons of God, as children of God, but Lord, what you have called us to individually, whether that be our personal walk with you, our, our personal ministry. Lord, I pray that, you're, that we would be strong we would hang on to those things. We would not allow ourselves to deviate. But Lord, where we do compromise, where we do start to look astray, Lord, I pray that you would bring us back. And Lord, we would, we would hang on to that. We would look to, to you. Lord, I just thank you for that. Thank you for each person here. Lord, I just pray for that you have strengthened us through this week. Uh, Lord, help us to walk in all your ways that we may uh, experience, we may know uh, all that you have for us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.